Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Listen Closely. I am your host, Bobby, and we have a lot of things to discuss today. So, it is in the middle of the week. It is still freezing cold, and if you're like me, you hate this cold, so please bundle up. This weekend is still supposed to be cold. I know that's not really what we're supposed to be talking about, but it's just something that's driving me insane is the cold. So, if you're like me, I mean, it's just really hard to record freezing to death, and I'm like bundled up right now trying to keep warm and give you these podcasts. As always, please follow me on all my social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. All of them are at HTT Listen Closely. You can also email me, HTTListenClosely at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave me those five stars, leave me a review, let me know how I'm doing. And we do have a new feature. It is Anchor Support, where you can sign up and donate to the show they do have uh, i think as low as 99 cents and all the way up to 4.99 just to give a little contribution to the show so that way we can bring you bigger and better things including meet and greets and all kinds of amazing things and if you do support the show you will get a show shout out during one of my podcasts and to do that you go to the anchor.fm forward slash htt listen closely and on there it will have a support button Or you can just use the website, which is anchor.fm forward slash HTT, listen closely, forward slash support. And now all of that is out of the way. Let me get into some of the new upcoming things from listen closely. So if you saw on my post a couple days ago, I put up a post about missing Monday. And what that is, is each Monday I will be posting a different missing persons case in Southeast Texas and Southwest Louisiana to basically just give more recognition to these cases and hopefully we can solve some of them. So if you happen to have any that you would like me to feature, send me the information either by my messengers or by emailing me and let's help get the word out. Another cool thing that I will be starting up is historical people of Southeast Texas. Now, what these posts are basically posts made about historical people throughout Southeast Texas and their contributions to our community. So if I have found something pretty interesting, which I mean, this area is full of history and I told you I'd be doing more history podcasts, but some of them are just not enough as far as, you know, I can find to actually do a whole podcast on. So what I'll do is I'll just feature them in small little posts. They'll be on Instagram and on Facebook. And that way you can basically find out who were the pioneers, you know, who made this area how it was. And it'll be all around Southeast Texas. Again, I might start venturing off to doing, you know, Southwest Louisiana and Upper East Texas. But for right now, it'll be strictly Southeast Texas And trust me, there are a lot of big names that I can cover on that. The last thing that will be coming up, and I'm still working out the details, so it won't be coming up as fast as the other two, is a segment called Ghosted. And what those will be will be stories of paranormal encounters that, again, are not long enough for podcast episodes. So they will be personal accounts from various anonymous sources And I will be telling their ghost story. So if you have a ghost story that you would like me to tell, again, it will be 100% anonymous. Email me, message me, let me know your story, and I will put them in that little segment. And again, 
I am still working on that one. So definitely look out for more posts about that on my Facebook and Instagram. And I will get that done as soon as I possibly can. But I definitely can't do that one without your stories. So definitely send those in to me. So that's just some three different upcoming things and posts that I will be doing to try and get more history and just more things out there for everybody. And my last little side note is I'm starting to work on some meet and greets and events and different things with people. And for that, again, I don't have anything set in stone, but when I do definitely check Facebook on those ones, especially events, because I'll be posting all the events on my Facebook And I have one in the works I'm pretty excited for, and I'm hoping it goes through. And again, I can't give you any specifics, but just know I am working on some things, and I'm really excited, and I hope y'all will enjoy them. And now that we've gone through all the announcements and everything that I have for you, let's get into this story, The Missing Marble Man. So back in 1901, Beaumont was a booming place thanks to Gusher Number 15, which had recently struck oil on top of Spindletop Hill. Now, we all know from this area, Spindletop is now a museum, and they do those live gusher reenactments, and it's really cool. If you can go see it, definitely do that. I haven't yet, but we are planning on it. But anyways, this gusher finally hitting some oil generated a lot of excitement and brought so many new roughnecks, boomers, traders, and all sorts of people to our area. Now, a fire would later break out on Spindletop Hill, proving that the quick buck isn't always the easiest or the safest. And in the middle of all the excitement, there emerged a sort of very odd tale about a missing corpse that turned to stone and then vanished without a trace. So our story begins with G.W. Davis, who was a 46-year-old rail car repairman for the Gulf, Beaumont, and Kansas City Railroad. He contracted a disease known in the day as Bright Disease, which is characterized as a chronic inflammation of the blood vessels in the kidney and is actually now referred to as nephritis. On February 7th, Mr. Davis died and without owning a burial plot, his family had made an arrangement with Magnolia Cemetery in Beaumont to have a temporary interment at a remote spot of the property until the family could purchase a lot. A few weeks passed and J.R. Carroll, a friend of the Davis family, went to the cemetery to transfer the remains to the newly bought plot. After removing the topsoil, they quickly discovered the grave had filled with about 20 inches of water, which would need to be pumped out. And after many tries, the coffin refused to move. So Carroll then removed the wooden top, which exposed the corpse's head and torso. Now, to his surprise, he found that the body had become petrified and was as white and as solid and as heavy as stone. And even more astonishing was that the body had not decomposed except for a part of the upper lip. Now, Mr. Carroll, now faced with this new discovery, had to find additional help to relocate the body in the new burial plot. Now, no further examinations were attempted on the corpse, and all who helped with the transfer were cautioned to remain silent on the matter. Carol did not want the family to learn of the strange development and feared the body would become a victim of body snatchers. With the amount of people that did know about this, including the funeral, the workers, and Mr. Carol, the sequel would eventually be leaked by one of them that were privy to the body's condition. So within days... The widow of Mr. G.W. Davis received an offer from an unnamed party 
who wanted to purchase her husband's body. Now, of course, she refused each offer, but the person persisted, reaching a total of $4,000. Now, remember, this is back in 1901, so $4,000, if we are looking about inflation and how much it would be today, is worth over $130,000. So this was an insane amount of money to offer, and especially for a corpse, like, who does that? But this was just such a peculiar circumstance that the man wanted to offer this. Like he was ready and fully prepared to pay this. In desperation to just be done with it, she ended the attempts by informing the intermediary the family would not sell the petrified corpse for any price. So you could throw any number out to them and they would simply not sell. Now, as weeks rolled by, the corpse was a topic of many conversations, including the Davis household. The family feared that would-be purchaser might actually rob the grave after his failed attempts to purchase the remains, and he might even sell it to traveling carnivals and circuses. So, on July 1st, Mr. Carroll and several Davis family members went to the cemetery to exhume the corpse, and C.J. Davis even stated, we in the family have discussed the matter and have finally concluded to take up the body and if it is found to be in a perfect state of petrification, have decided to bring it home with us. Now, the cemetery sexton did warn the family that bodies sometimes had been known to disintegrate when exposed to the air, but the family went along with this plan. Like, they weren't giving up. They wanted, you know, just to make sure that it remained safe, that it be kept with them. Now, once they reached the gravesite, Carol expressed some fears because it had already looked like the grave had been tampered with because the first few shovelfuls of soil were very loose instead of being compact as it should have been after the three months that had passed. So upon removing the coffin, the family's worst fears did come true. The body was gone. So who took the body of G.W. Davis. Well, the intermediary, which is an attorney, disclaimed knowledge of the interested party's identity, except that he was from out of town. So their conversations were mainly done over the telephone. C.J. Davis, who was a trusted employee and machinist for the Beaumont Ironworks, was also like not someone you would think would take the body as well as Mr. Carroll. So Mr. Carroll was a well-known and voracious citizen, not noted for his pranks. And he was actually a respected member of the E.A. McNeely insurance firm. So all of these almost kind of seem to check out, except for, I would say, the attorney. He's kind of sketchy as far as, you know, most of them conversations were done on the cell, on not the cell phone, but the telephone. So that one you can't really trace. But the other two, it seemed like they had no reason to take this body. I mean, uh, Davis himself was family, and then Carol was a family friend. And he told, Carol told all the workers, do not mess with this body. You know, don't tell anybody what you saw. So why would he then go and take the body? So to me, CJ and J.R. Carol are clear. I mean, in my eyes, they are cleared they are not to be suspected. The attorney, however, I cannot say whether or not like he was cleared or not cleared. Like his story is kind of meh. You know what I'm saying? 
So we're not too sure. But to this day, the body's true whereabouts are unknown. And with the oil gush madness that was happening at the time, the missing marble man was quickly forgotten and almost lost to time. Now, this story is originally from Mr. W.T. Block Jr., which I will be doing a post on him later. He is an incredible man. He recorded a lot of history and he worked for uh, some newspapers and wrote for some magazines and stuff. So he is an incredible man that thankfully because of him, we still have stories like this one. So I don't know. I mean, what do y'all think? Do you think the missing marble man was a subject to basically a third party that we haven't discussed yet? Do you think it was one of the names we talked about? Do you think it was uh, Mr. Carroll or CJ Davis or the attorney? I mean, or was it another family member? Who's to really say? And we don't know if that body was sold to a university or to science or to the circus or if he just wasn't sold at all. And we'll never know. But the one thing we can do is always listen closely.